Welcome to another episode of 12 Rows Back, where we bring you footy talk from the fans' perspective. It was a interesting round. What was it round 12? Round 13, Tom? Good evening to you, sir. How are you going? Yeah, going well, mate. Yeah, round 12. Uh, I guess we say every week we learn a bit more. We'll probably learn a little bits and pieces this week, given that we only had the six games, but uh, it gave us a chance to, I guess, for a few games to stand on their own. I know... Uh, Friday night and Saturday night definitely uh, jump up into the mind. But look, incidents all round, struggling teams getting wins, struggling teams not winning. Uh, it, it Look, it continues uh, to, to go on and, and the game pushes on. So obviously here in uh, Melbourne, we're still locked down, but the game continues as we spoke about last week. So uh, look, we've got footy and I'm grateful for that. My word, it pushes on. We've actually got uh, the AFL rescheduling a Richmond... West Coast game, so Richmond don't have to travel for too long. We wouldn't <laughs> want that to happen to the AFL's darlings. Um, Just keep complaining so and your dreams will come true, as they say in a famous Simpsons episode. I think that's Richmond in a nutshell. That's it, that's it. Uh, so we've got a lot to get through. Uh, we're going to talk about the top eight and who can and can't win the flag. I think it's locked in, but I want to get your thoughts on that, Tom. Uh, we had the mid-season draft uh, since we last recorded, obviously middle of last week, uh, university grades, Ooh. the Saints are back. They're back at uni. Back's admitting. We'll see how they've gone. Uh, as they obviously, uh, I'll give spoiler alert, bad kicking is bad football. Uh, and as always, uh, we've got a mailbag question. We'll obviously grade the rest of the games. And uh, there's a lot to unpack here, Tom. Rapid fire too. Always looking forward to that. Always like thinking outside the box with those ones. So I've got a couple of good ones I reckon for you later on. Oh, can't wait. I cannot wait. That I really enjoy them. Questions without notice is another name we probably could have had for that segment. But let's dive into it. I want to talk about the there's a particular decision in the Dreamtime game. And look, safe to say it was it was the worst decision I've ever seen on a football field. <laughs> now, it was it was the worst. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no defending this or defending that. The ball was kicked into... This is dream time at the O. Resounding success, by the way. Massive 55,000, um, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, so, uh, you know, let's get the granny over there. They'll do it justice. Uh, ball was kicked into Richmond's forward line. Jake Hart's actually got a free kick, but sort of... I can't remember if he marked it or just grabbed it and kept running on. And he's he's run 15 metres on his own inside 50, and it, he was caught in two minds, ended up giving the don't argue, got caught, holding the ball, ball's come out in the tackle. Not only has he stopped, the tackler stopped. Dusty Martin next to him, who loves sweeping on a cheap one, stopped. And the umpire's put his whistle away. I don't know if he lost it or swallowed it or what, but there was no whistle, and I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, so when we were talking about this in uh, a little bit of the pre-show, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, worst holding the ball free kicks, but you're saying worst in history. And look, I'm probably tending to agree with you there. Watch, watching it on, on Saturday, it was mind-blowing. I mean, any time the players stop, you know, it's a howler. But for, yeah, for this one, it, it, it should be on the DVD for the holding the ball free kick ex- explanation. It was that clear. So... I was stunned, and look, it, it tops it off because there were there were plenty of those throughout the game. I'm pretty sure Grimes had another shocker as well. A couple of Richmond blokes actually. So, um, 
it's a, it's a rule we just continually keep getting wrong. That is just the cherry on top. That that'll be the poster, uh, I guess, uh, clip to show people about what's wrong with our game. Because this this holding the ball, it it just continues to baffle fans and take away from our game. To be honest. Yeah, and I think there are plenty of decisions where you'll see it one way and I'll see it the other in the heat of the moment at the game, and that's an issue with the rule itself. But if we can't get this obvious one right where he's had plenty of time, he's actually taken advantage. So once you sort of take advantage, that says your prior opportunities out the window. And he's run 15 metres anyway, and he's tried to fend off the tackler. Like all three of those things suggest you've had <laughs> yeah. a prior opportunity. Yeah. And then you drop it. Like... Just give it up. Like I'm not, I'm not going to pick on the umpire. There must have been something he didn't see, or he thought he handballed it. But well, yeah, the only thing you could think of was was he in the wrong angle? Was he too far away? I mean, that, that's the legit. If you saw that incident, it, it's a free kick. So I'm thinking maybe there was yeah. There's just something we haven't seen, or maybe they just didn't see it properly. Yeah, not not to umpire bash, but because because they're working off a, a rule book that we we've discussed many times that basically has an interpretation to get anyone off the hook. So the, the AFL hasn't come out and said anything about this one, have they? It's sort of just swept under the uh, the rug because Richmond got the job done, I guess. Yeah, they don't say anything about it unless it's in the last two minutes and may have affected the result, so then they'll say something. But look, you could argue it certainly had an impact because the Bombers hit the front late in that game, or well, in the last quarter. Yeah. Um, somehow still lost by 30-something points. I couldn't quite <laughs> figure that one out. Um, but, it, look, it had an impact. I mean, Richmond's first goal was on the back of two free kicks that were very iffy, to say the least. I don't often say that about a Bombers team. Yeah, I was... Yeah, uh, you, you if if they can't get this right, then there's something very, very wrong with the rule and it needs to be completely revamped. The reason I think he got it wrong, the umpire, is what they want to do is err on the side of caution and if the ball comes out and keeps moving, we don't want to blow our whistle because then we'll blow too many free kicks. And I I think that's been in his head when he's made that decision. But by G, they got that wrong. And if if they're not going to pay that obvious free kick that we all expect, then like you might as well just have someone sitting off a camera at home and just... Stop the play. It's a, like no, no. I'm, what's what's the point? I'm I'm fully with you. I mean, yeah. If if you can't get the easy ones right, something's wrong. So yeah, it. it I don't know if the look. I, I might be going on a limb here. I'm pretty sure. I mean, the umpires obviously review all the games after, but do they have some sort of mid-season review about how things are going? It would be. I know we don't want to sort of play with the rules in season, but it would be nice just to get a bit of feedback or, you know, not from the fans, obviously, don't take our word for it, but, you know, do the clubs have a chat to the umps and go, look, what's going on with all of these interpretations of a certain rule or or not? I mean, you'd think they should. Yeah, yeah, it's well, so the umpires definitely review each game. Um, I know at the moment people love to keep them accountable and love the idea that the umpires might get dropped week to week. Well, if a player did it, they get dropped. Um, I'm pretty sure the umpire schedule's done sort of three weeks in advance or so, so they can't be dropped because they have to make travel arrangements and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they certainly get reviewed, and I know clubs pretty regularly reach out and ask, not just for clarification, but, all right, so how's this being adjudicated? And I 
Parts of that, I think, is wrong because we end up having different interpretations week on week and there's always that, that rule of the week. Yeah, or Friday I'd night. I'd be willing to bet they're pretty hot on this come Thursday night, Cats Power. They're going to be pretty pretty hot on this holding the ball thing. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily seen... mind that, but just whatever you pick, you've got to pick and do it all year. I'm that's, with you. That's the frustrating This thing. is your classic, you know, Thursday night at a packed Adelaide with a you know, crazy power crowd. I think that's going to sort of affect a few more of these holding the balls. The power might get a few more for. Um, it, it brings up the point, though, we should be paying our umps as full-time employees. I know, obviously, budgets are, are tight and a little thinner given COVID, but uh, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, NBA, NFL refs are full-time, aren't they? It's not a part-time gig. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming over in, over in the EPL and the soccer, full-time gig. You know, I, I think our sports reached a point where we can put this on the table. And I think if you've got full-time umps, yeah, making full-time wage, this is their dedicated job. I would hazard a guess, dare I say, um, that the umpiring would improve. So I think that's got to be looked at as well. And if you say you don't have the money, I reckon the money invested in the score review system would have gone much further if they invested in full-time umpires. I don't think fans even notice half of these touched off the boots that we spend 10 minutes reviewing. Yeah, that's and one of your... And the umpires you just get all ones. the calls right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, look, yeah, and look, yeah, sort of the the wage might be your sticking point, but I think in the long run, it's it's going to be better for the game and, you know, make make use of grassroots, you know. There's no game at grassroots level without umps, so it would give, uh, you know, your Frankie Stokes at the VAFA a little something to aspire to, so uh, I'm all for that. Um, I'm all for that. So, um, yeah, let, let's let's look after the umps. So, see, you know, we, we bash the AFL and we get into the umps for these decisions, but we do genuinely want the best out of them. So I think full-time uh, staff as uh, in our game is something we've got to uh, work towards. There's another yeah, idea, the- AFL, that you can take from 12 rows back. We've given you a few over the stretch. Yeah, we'll have to start uh, invoicing for our, our time. Um, it, look, it was a definite howler from the umpire, but... I guess another way to go is looking at full time and and investing a little bit more into it. But I I put most of the blame with the AFL for just deciding we're going to relax the interpretation and just as long as the ball keeps moving, let them play, let them play. Um, Dogs twenty sixteen premiership was a as long as they keep that ball zinging around, we're not going to pull them up on it. So uh, bad luck, Bombers fans. But you know. You got to play out the game. You can't. It's not sixteen-minute quarters. There was still twenty minutes left when you hit the front. Unfortunately, <laughs> if, uh, I was wondering how far into this effort would take for that to uh, come up, and we've mentioned it twice in the first ten minutes. I like it. Um, speaking of the bombers, actually, so you know this was almost your genuine eight-point game. Win this, they're in the eight. Lose it, you're two games back. You mentioned this off the top, Seb. You reckon the uh, the top eight's a done deal? We've got our, uh, we've got it yeah. locked in. We might as well just move on to September. Yeah, it's locked in. Like it is a two game gap now. I know you know buys, but the Giants have a game in hand. Yeah, so as the saying goes, remember last year, Essendon and Melbourne had that game in hand, and they were both <laughs> going to win it, guaranteed. I did hear it from both groups of fans. All I can't year, even remember win who it. won that one. Probably the D's, but. Um, yeah, look, so, yeah, the, look, a game to two games splitting it, and those gaps are very... It's it's so hard to chase a spot down in the eight. You'd rather be in it than out, so you've got to give the power to the teams in there. So, look, I'm with you, and, 
yeah, you sort of look at, at the letter as well. I mean, the Suns now, I know they've got a game in hand. Or throwing Carlton, I mean, they're they're three games back, sort of with ten wouldn't, to go. That that's going to need some sort of miracle to get there. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't waste your time with. Mate, uh, I might be going a little deep. Suns and deep Carlton. Uh, but look, I could have gone the Saints. I thought I'd, uh, for our Suns uh, listeners out there, give them a little something. Um, but look, yeah, you know, we're, we're percentage and two games out, so basically three as well. So, you know, that's the team that's 12th. So, yeah, it, it, it really is showing it's it's done, the top eight, and now it's just where they fall. Yeah, and the bottom, what, the bottom 10 can start tanking for draft picks? Is that... Is that still a thing? You got to get better picks in this league. Well, yeah. Look, it is. They won't call it that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, does it give any? I know this is a off-topic, a little tangent. But if we had the old wild card system, would you uh, want to be seeing sort of Eagles v Giants seven v ten to uh, wrap up a spot just to keep the Giants more involved? I'm sure Bombers fans would love another crack at the Tigers, but given what just happened, eight v nine probably isn't as good. As we can think you it imagine is. that? Yeah. Can you imagine that though? Friday night at the G in the Gills Baby, the bye week, you got Richmond playing Essendon. You get ninety thousand at the MCG to that. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I mean that 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 is the pro of it. I mean at that bye week, it, that's our uh, our baby in that we just want it to uh, to improve that bye week, and that and that would, uh, you know, and then that keeps you know Frio, the Saints, maybe even the Suns keeps us interested in the, in the top ten. So look, it might be worth uh, investigating the old uh, wild card. I know it sort of gets a little bit of press when, yeah, when an eight's as locked up as this year's appears to be. Oh yeah, well look, look, it's locked up, and I know fans of those teams, yourself included, will hold out hope, especially when it's I think as you mentioned, until it's mathematically impossible. So <laughs> oh, yeah. the Saints need to win by two hundred eighty round twenty. Three, you'll still believe, uh, but let's let's break it down. None of those teams can play finals. You've got Frio playing Gold Coast, St Kilda playing Adelaide, North playing the Giants this weekend. So that's three dead rubbers. Like we're just set, we're settling draft picks playing these games. Yeah, look, yeah, this this kind of talk seems negative, but look, you're not wrong. So. Um, yeah, it's just where where uh, your your picks lie, I guess, in, in those games. Which yeah, it's it's just crazy early in a season to be in this position. We just came out of a, a little bit of a mid season draft, which we'll get to later. But um, that's a lot of dead rubbers in a round. Yeah, yeah, and like, don't get my team's one of them. We'll be trying to win that. You want to win as many as you can, but if as you go through the weeks, two weeks North play the Gold Coast Suns, Collingwood play Frio. Like, these games are just... Well, yeah, so these aren't games where, you know, you could peg one back off a top eight team. You're basically just playing the teams around you. There's none of that... Yeah, I mean, Essendon had a chance to jump in and, and you know, keep themselves in it, but now they're two games back. So, um, yeah, uh, that that's... I mean, that's this what this back half of the year has. It has all those really close clashes. So I guess what we should look at more is when those top eight teams play because that's a finals preview and that's where we're really going to get that knowledge uh, and learn something every week, as we say. So there's eight teams in there, Sauce. Are you saying all eight can win the flag or have you got your pen out ready to put a line through a couple? Oh, I can put my line through four. Four? Jeez, yeah. so the comp's down to four for you now. I like this. Who, who are you putting a line through at this stage? Uh, the bottom half of the top eight. I don't think Port, Port Swans, Eagles, enough. Richmond. Swans are too young. West Coast are too injured, and, and Richmond. 
Oh, just as a betting man, you'd say they can't win four and five after this start. And I said last year they couldn't win it, and they did. So I'll double down and say they can't win it again. Look, fair logic. Um, look, yeah, look, I'm with you on the the top four: Melbourne Bulldogs, Cats, Lions. They're all well in the hunt. Don't worry about that. I don't know what to do with the power. I think well, Thursday nights their we'll, asset we'll learn test. A lot. Yep, we're going to learn a lot from that one. Um, look, was impressed with the Swans. Saw them firsthand over the weekend. Uh, look, they're a young team, and look. If things go right, they could. But look, apologies to the South Melbourne contingent of my family. I might just put the line through them at this stage. Um, yeah, Eagles, I'm with you. They they are bashed up. I mean, you sort of if you saw some of the names that were just out, and they still won on the weekend. Get a load of that. Um, you need that continuity, and, and most of the good teams basically have the same lineup for a month to six weeks in the back half of the year. Yeah, and then you know they've also had a whole season playing together. So. Yeah, apologies to your West Coast contingent and your family, Seb, line through them. Look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to put the line through the Tigers. In that, I'm going to stick with what I said a few weeks ago. Look, they could come good, but I just see their run maybe going up to a, a semi-final loss or a prelim loss. I don't know if they've got the motivation just to get to that last week and then salute. So maybe five for me at this stage. Yeah, well, it's interesting. The the lines of betting go, the top four are all between four fifty five fifty. Then you go nine bucks, twenty one, twenty one, and Richmond are five fifty. So, the market still respects the Tigers, and I get like you do have to. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we <laughs> part of it's I think our they're knowledge. Capable. It's hope as well yeah. that they're done. Yeah, I think they're capable, and there's enough there for them to do it. I just. Something's got to give, and all that they've had injuries, which they never seem to have. They're now having to travel away again. Um, you know, Rewalt's another year older, and he's play, he played a couple of good games, but he's not good for a whole game. Tom Lynch is out. Um, I just oh, again, it's like West Coast. You know, you've got to have blokes playing together for an extended, you know, stretch. I mean, Richmond are going hugely deep with uh, a few of their sort of young guns coming through, getting a game every week. They really need the, you know, Lamberts and, yeah, Koch was back, but, um, you know, a few of their, Edwards, I think he was missing as well, a few of those senior blokes. You want your senior players to have had a good run into September. So, look, they could, they've could they still got time to do it, but, um, uh, yeah, line through them. Yeah, power, as we said, I, I still think they're, they're an interesting one. I, I still think they're live. I know you put the line through them, but uh, I'm happy to go and this is... Dangerous with Thursday night looming, but I still think on their day they can produce good enough footy, and if they can put a dog-style month together, that they could get the job done. So I've I've still got them there. All right. So what you've got five or six that can win it? I've got five. So you are riding off. The no, tigers. no, I'm jumping on you. You you lead the charge, and I'm coming with you on that one. But uh, I think it's it's five. All right. I love it. I love ruling lines through teams very early. I'll rule one through Melbourne, and they're the flag favourites. And well, yeah, maybe I will. that's what we should do to jump teams up. I've also put a line through the Saints, so if you want to jump up now, gents, just get get the job done. Now, look, the the pointy end. It's I mean, Melbourne keep on answering challenges. The Bulldogs, I mean, they they keep winning. Can't can't knock that. The Cats have won eight games without even really getting into second gear. I think we've barely seen them. Yeah, move out of uh, first. And, and the Lions, look, copped, copped a little whack on the weekend, but 
you know, that, that first half, I guess, you know, you, you want to win the game, but they did show that they can match it with the best. It's just about doing it uh, for four quarters. And if they can sort of sneak into that top two and do it at the Gabba, I, I think they're right there. So, look, plenty to uh, digest in there, and we're only at the halfway point of the year. Yeah, I tell you, Geelong are a bit like, look, and not just because of their age bracket, but they're a bit like the old men, the fathers of the competition. They're playing with their kids and, and you don't want to go too hard and destroy their confidence. So they just seem to play down to their opposition's level every <laughs> week, but just do enough to get the win. Like, all right, we've got Collingwood are up by sort of five goals. Oh, yeah, they can have a few late. That doesn't matter. So long as we're in front, we'll win. And they get that win. Um, what other wins have they got? They've got, I reckon they've got about four or five that were like that. Um, well, they got a nice little inaccurate performance from uh, the Saints. So, you know, they, yep. they played to our level game. that night, no doubt about that. Gold Coast down the highway, they only won by sort of five and a bit goals. Um, did what they had turned to do. It on when, yeah, exactly, did what they had to do. Turned it on against Richmond just to sort of flex and probably getting a little bit of revenge for that grand final last year. Should have beaten the Swans, didn't. Turned it on against West Coast, who were being talked up at the time. So... They just showed up against North. Yeah, only five goals. Like, and, and the same with the Hawks as well. They kind of just on an Easter Monday just had a little bit of fun there and faded yeah. late. Um, but look, you, I'm going to pinch one that uh, you would enjoy. If if they're a horse, they're coming round the bend, and if they can get clear air to the finish line, then they're going to be bloody dangerous. So don't worry about what they've done in uh, around the first couple of turns. It's when they turn, if they've got uh, a little bit of room to to just manoeuvre and have that clear view, they could just bolt it in. So might be stepping into a sport that's not my expertise, but... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, not many 10-year-old horses without a significant win under their belt for many years get the job done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, no, nah, look, I, I I think they're timing their run. Yeah. And they know how to do it, and there's enough experience on that, that list to get it done. And unlike Richmond, they're putting together enough good footy to be, what are they, nine and three? Uh, yeah, eight and three. So it, win this eight one and, three. and they're yeah, nine and three if they can beat the power this week. Yep, yep. So both teams got a game in hand, interestingly enough, Tom. But yeah, I reckon it's, I hate to say it because I like the idea of such an open season, but I think it's narrowed right down very quickly and they're jostling for ladder position. So, you know, Sydney need to beat Hawthorne to sort of keep pushing their case for the ladder. Geelong dropped this. They can easily drop out of the top four. So that's a big game over in Perth. In Perth, in Adelaide. Uh, I think the Ds will have done enough to finish top two and get a home final, albeit don't know where that will be at this stage. Yeah. I hope it's in Melbourne and I'm probably not going to tempt fate, but uh, there's a lot up in the air at the moment about... uh, about Victoria? Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, that that's probably the, the crucial point to watch. It's, yeah, the top four for a start, but then the, the top two. I think, um, yeah, d- d- uh, yeah, not tempting fate, but home ground advantage. I mean, we sort of look at the Lions and the power. If they, if they can get up into that top two, you know, like we saw last year, it's a, it's a couple of finals and you're into the granny. So it, it, that, that's massive, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll park the where the games are. And, you know, if the, if the Cats were to come top two, are we going to be playing down at uh, Cadinia Park down there? 
unlikely. The dogs should get one at Marvel. Yeah, correct. So anyway, look, we can get into that. But look, there's there's always little things to watch. But uh, yeah, it might be just top eight positional watch rather than teams making a run. But look, let's hope something crazy happens because I would love us to be wrong. I don't like it being this predictable. I don't think you can sort of sit and be too comfortable at any stage. No, well, the team certainly can't. But I think outside looking in, I think uh, I reckon we're pretty locked up. Now... We had the mid-season draft, Tom, in between our last recording and last weekend's games. Uh, originally brought in to allow players to sort of not top up their list, but if there had been big key injuries like Ruckman, key defenders, key forwards, um, that sort of thing, if they went down, the opportunity to grab someone, my understanding was from a state league level. Now, North Melbourne were the big benefit benefactors from this in picking up uh, picking up a young kid who was nominated for the draft last year, hadn't played, therefore was available, but because he hadn't played, no one picked him last year, and suddenly we've now got a kid who would have been, what, top 20? Yeah, that's what... Was the, that conservative this year? No, no, that that was the uh, talk around uh, industry folk. He was a, a, a top 20 if he, if he waited till then. So yeah, that, so that's, we've... we've brought in Jacob Edwards, effectively getting an extra first-round pick thanks to this mid-season draft. That's not what it was brought in for. That's most of what, mostly what clubs have done. Collingwood picked a bloke who's out with a knee injury. Yeah, look, I know even uh, at the Saints examples, we sort of picked uh, Max Heath. He's a Sandy boy. He's just sort of playing dragons, and he's still at oh, school. Fellow so. Sandy boy. Yeah, uh, fellow uh, Xavier College man as well. So he, he's still doing his year 12. Um, so he's not exactly uh, a mature age recruit, as you'd sort of think in this midseason. Uh, he's like a Project Ruckman. Um, you know, picked a bloke out of the Sandfall, who, who's pretty uh, junior as well. Um, and basically, uh, most yeah, like you said, most of the picks were of that nature. So it was make you know, let's sneak a, a a COVID draftee that might have just slipped under and get a little bit of a freebie. Is just the take that I made uh, out of this mid-season draft. Not so much the journeyman top-up sort of idea. I think that this was this draft was brought in for. Yeah. So do we need to? get rid of the draft or is this just an anomaly thanks to the pandemic we found ourselves in for the last 18 months look no i think i think it does have a future i think look it's the second year in so clubs are just i guess still grasping its purpose and and what it can do i mean if you can get a, a top 20 talent now take it i don't blame the ruse for doing it so i guess if if the kids are there or, or yeah, I mean, they may be pandemic related at this point, I would say, you know, given not a whole lot of uh, underage footy's been able to be played. So they haven't really been able to show their wares and, and might've been drafted if we'd seen more of them. Um, I take that in consideration. I, I think, yeah, keep, keep it, uh, keep it running. I know look at this point, um, you know, with, with the saints, I mean, we've, we've barely got a 26 extended bench to name at the moment where we're lacking for players. So, um, you know, and we, we had four spots. Don't ask me why we didn't use them all. But um, I, I think there is a purpose when clubs are in that kind of position and really actually do need players in mid-year just to just to play out the year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in favour of the mid-season draft. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I lean back to the American model, but if a player's having a blinding year in the state leagues, why do we have to wait? 
for the mid-season draft or end-of-season draft to give them a call-up. Like, this is the premier competition of this sport in the world. Why can we not just say, yep, we've got room, we'll bring you in? Why, Why can't it just be that simple? Do you think the clubs need some sort of pecking order about who can do that? I mean, would it favour clubs with yeah more cap room or more resources or is there scope uh, in that well, sense? Everyone's got the same cap size, so if you've got more cap room, it means you're not spending on your current list. So that's an yeah, that's fair. not an advantage. Um, it would it. I can't see how doing it through the year favours any clubs. Um, like at the wage they're paying, it would be a lot harder for like West Coast to go and pick a bloke who's dominating in the VFL, who's also a plumber through the week, unless they can also set him up with a job yeah. over there. Um, it's not it's not like you know in the NBA, even if you get a ten day contract, you might make you know you're making five figures for that ten days, um, or if you, you know like the vet min over there is you know five six seven hundred thousand, well more than our average wage across the comp so that would make it a little tricky but I would the way I see it is if you are allowing that you're allowing more players to take what might be their only opportunity to play AFL footy and that is something we should be encouraging everyone to try Nah, look, yeah, I agree with that I'll, I'll give you like a scenario so you and Richmond in your scenario both have rights to take, you know, Jacob Edwards and and take him and run, and and he he picks Richmond just because they're closer to a flag, because there's no structure around. Oh, the Rouge should get the best pick or the first pick. How do we manage that side of it uh, in your scenario? I mean, if they're ready and yeah, two clubs want him, your club probably should get first call, but they won't under that sort of thinking. What do you reckon? Well, so. Who's the first club to go and approach him and say we want him to play for us? Well, look in this scenario, it could be either. To be honest, so if, if you're, you're using saying first the draft in, first, scenario, first in, well, best if you're, yeah, if you're using the draft scenario where it's all done in a window, then that becomes a little trickier. I'm saying if he's had three blinders in the VFL, North go and approach him then, whereas Richmond are not looking to bring anyone on at that level on their list because they're a premiership winning list whereas we're looking for more I guess points of difference at this point in our our list build so we we wouldn't we might go to him earlier and therefore oh no I'm going to hold out I'm going to wait for Richmond or another club to offer me no player is going to do that they're going to take the first one available so there would be a little bit more first in best dressed but also if two teams go at the same time and he prefers Richmond well that's that's on you. You got to get your club right. You got to start doing things better. That, uh, that's I, I, I think what I was trying to get to. So yeah, look, that's probably a fair thing too. You get your club in a position where recruits want to be there. That's that's the aim. Yeah, if you're in Melbourne, you're halfway there. But <laughs> yeah, true. The go home factor is apparently huge. So if you're in Melbourne, you should be able to lure them back. But I look, I, I think I'm probably talking about stuff that is ten, twenty years away in in the current league. Um, and it look, it makes it a lot harder because you don't factor in, all right, you've got to get down to the club and then you've got to bring them in and develop them and do all this sort of stuff. And it's it's just not the same money as international leagues where you bring them in and develop and, and you know, they can just write a check. I think the 
issue for another point in the podcast probably, Tom, but I think the soft cap and the way the AFL can find teams within the soft cap is just madness. No, I agree, I agree with that. Like we'll talk about, I think we'll bring up the Adelaide one later. If you don't, I will. No, good. Um, but look, the, certainly, I certainly don't think they should get rid of the mid-season draft. Um, let's see how it plays out. But if teams are just using it to pick youngsters, well, that's not really what it's what it's for. Um, I, I'd rather a system where once they get over the age of twenty or twenty-one. Um, players, the clubs can just approach them and bring them onto their list at any point through the year. And so if you've got a guy you're courting and, and you think, yep, yep, we've got to get him across, but let's say he's from Perth and you're in Melbourne, you've got to work on him and it might take you a few weeks to get him over and across the line, but um, let's give more blokes a chance to play footy at the highest level rather than having the Saints try and work out if they can or can't pick 26 healthy blokes to have three emergencies. Like... Yeah, I see that if, side of it if for we've sure. Got, if we've got a sub in there for injury, but you still need to pick an injured player to be in a... Mer- like, why not just... Like, I don't think limiting the list size hurts too much. It's more the money factor of having to pay the additional players, especially at the moment with COVID. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that is the other side of it, I guess, is paying the player, resources, coaching, it, yeah, etc. Look, I, I, I'm with you on the front that, yeah, we want... Anyone to play our game to be able to play it at any stage. So, yeah, I guess, we, yeah, the thing I learned as well from the mid-season draft is it's not exactly a rebuild uh, draft. You're not going to rebuild it anything, really, with the mid-season draft. A lot of the players taken, yes, will help with a rebuild, but it's sort of one or two or, or a top-up or, a, yeah, a nice youngster that you can get a project. Um, yeah, it's it's... Yeah, still, still to be seen how how this one, um, I guess, pans out. But I'm I'm thinking, yeah, we we keep rolling with it. Moving on to our uni grades, a, a well received segment of ours, and six games to get through this week, and the Saints are back, so I'm looking forward to that. But first, the D's versus Brizzy. What did you make of that one? Well, I was I was very happy with myself at half time with uh, the Lions in front. I thought, here we go, I've got this one, got this one in the bag. I've ended up tipping, like. I've tipped two in my work comp, Tom. Uh, Brisbane lost, Essendon lost, Carlton lost. Well, I tipped two bad teams and all of that, so probably shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, but look, I I thought this was a good game. Some people were saying it was a bit lacklustre. I didn't, no, I didn't find, find that. that at all. No. I th- maybe I misheard. Um, it was a fiery start. The Lions came out throwing their weight around, and I'd love to see that. I thought there were... Some soft free kicks paid early, but I thought they were necessary to make sure the line was towed. Um, and one point in a three-quarter time, and the D's just ran out pretty convincingly. Uh, played up at the, the SCG. I'd give Melbourne a distinction for beating a good team in good form. I'll give Brisbane a pass for taking it up to the top team and not quite getting the job done. Uh, but you sort of have to respect Melbourne are now 11-1 and... One and well, the flag is there for the taking. They can't lose from here, can they, Tom? It would. It's going to take something. D's fans, the lid is well and truly off. I saw a good tweet, actually, during the week. If people want to know uh, if the lid's on or off, uh, a bloke with a blue tick saw someone going for a run in a full Melbourne tracksuit, and they were in Brooklyn, New York. So 
the lid is well and truly off uh, for the Ds. This is a HD for me. Uh, Brisbane were the form team of the comp, probably the team in, yeah, the best form uh, at the, that point. And half-time, they were staring down the barrel. To come out, produce a half where you can overturn that kind of uh, rampant form and, and just stamp yourself, it was so impressive. Uh, Cosy Pickett just needs his own little uh, bit of airtime here. Three goals, three. Look, he, he had nine, which is sort of Cyril numbers-esque. Cyril but <laughs> he, he's a bloke you go as a neutral to go and watch. And look, one day that 3-3 three, three will be 5-1 or 6 straight. And he'll, he'll just... If he's not already taking games, he will take a game by the scruff. So, um, yeah, really impressed with the Ds. HD for me. Um, Lions, yeah, to fade away hurts. Um, it could be one of those ones where they sort of learn a bit for next time and might sort of take a bit of this knowledge into a uh, final series. But um, I- I'll just... I'll pass them. I mean, yeah, they should have won, and it's probably a failure they didn't, but they were up against a, a good side. Zach Bailey with four... Probably cherry picking ish for a few of them, but he's just a smart operator that keeps finding the footy. Um, yeah, just had to give him a shout out. I'll, I'll pass them. So HD and pass for me for that game. Hey, uh, before we move on, where's Benny Brown? Does he is he still playing? Is he injured? Yeah, his, looks to be his story. Looks to be fully out of calculations. To, look, he's they're a better side without him in. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah, jeez, probably could have done with that pick anyway. Uh, I'm, I've got my eye on that one. If you have no, no, it. Keep, now, keep it bubbling. Let's let's get back to it. Uh, the Saints are back. They submitted. They submitted an assignment, and they've sort of. They probably there's a question on this assignment, Tom, and they seem to not really answer it at all. Um, they've sort of gone around the question, not addressed it, and bad kicking is bad football. We'll look at the Saints and the Swans. Do you want to take us through it? Yeah. Look. To be honest, yeah, look, it's another game. Put it down with the Cats I can game. Take a I can take us through it if you don't really No, yeah, let, let's hear your take. I, I'm sure our listeners would rather uh, yours than mine at this point. <laughs> look, it was a fiery game at the SCG. The Saints came out to play, which is all you want as a supporter, as a neutral fan, as just a lover of the game, and had every chance to win it. Towards the end, uh, Jack Higgins has just peppered the goals. Unfortunately, one goal six. Uh, were they a bit harsh on Max King, or is he just really out of, down on confidence? Needs a break. He's got a back issue. Yeah, look, a whole Very lot of factors. He is in in the spotlight, and I'll give a shout out to certain members of my family who might have called up Sen and given them a little something. Jared and uh, Kingy copped one from someone I know, and uh, well done for their crusade there. Because I think they're going too harsh on Max. I mean, he's a twenty year old kid, and he's halfway through his second year, carrying a forward line, uh, carrying a dodgy back, carrying confidence demons and issues, and. Yeah, it, there's a lot on him at the moment, so I just wanted him to just get some clear air, just just get back to his instinctual game and, and just show us what he can do. There's just too much buzzing around him at the moment. I know that's just what happens, but we don't want a Jack Watts point two, uh, where the young forward gets pillared from post to post. Um, but back on the game, yeah, look, Higgins won goal six. It was just such an interesting one because he legit kept us in it at stages. We lost Mason Wood, who who's actually in a bit of form, Seb, which you'd be surprised to hear, um, had a good game last week, kicked the first, 
we didn't have any marking targets. Jack was our man, so he had 23 and marked everything. He just didn't finish, and that, yeah, sadly cost the game. I mean, yeah, Seb Ross would love a shot at goal that he was run, running into an open goal and shanked it, so he'd like that one again. Um, can we get two Tim Membries? Because he was unbelievable at both ends. Um, You'll need, you don't have any this week. Yeah, I know. Well, he and Seb have ducked off for family matters, so that's why we're so thin. Um, I'll give the Swans a shout-out. They, they love this style game. They're such a unique team in that they can just... They kind of absorb the ball being in their back line and they actually cope with it and they probably prefer it that way which it sounds counterintuitive, but they just play a great game where they can just wear a team down and then slingshot it, rebound, run it through the corridor mainly, um, and, and they did that. So this game actually, to put my neutral hat on, was a ripper because it was momentum swings. It was four quarters of both teams sort of going toe for toe and it ended up in a thriller. Um, Grade-wise, uh, welcome back to the Saints grading. Uh, it's double pass. So pass for the Swans, pass for the Saints. Uh, I'm happy to have us on the positive side, not failing this week. Um, look, I like what we showed. Um, yeah, straight kicking away from uh, a win. Um, lots to like, though, about the way we went about it around the ground and our ball use and our tackling pressure was up. So um, pass for that. And Swans just got the job done at home against a team they should beat. So pass. Yep, I, I agree with your grading there, Tom. Double pass from me. Um, look, I did from what I did see, Tim Membry, I, I love that you just send him back late in quarters and halves and just get him to patrol there to try and... I think... How many marks did he have? Uh, I think he, he cracked the double figures. Let me just... Eight marks. But I reckon... Oh, there you go. <laughs> I reckon half... Uh, I have to look this up. I reckon half of them were intercept marks. Like, down the back line. And it, just having a player who can do that is extremely valuable. Um, it sort of hurts when you've got blokes like Mason Wood who come in to sort of help alleviate some of the forward pressure off him. And, well, he's out. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's not playing. <laughs> yeah, Who would have guessed that? Um, but, not us North fans. No, nah, no, nah, fair. Uh, but, yeah, look, he is a, a breaking case of emergency. I mean, yeah, I don't like seeing it too early in a quarter. Usually he's, yeah two minutes left in a quarter or two minutes left in a game. Just to shut it down. Shut it down. But yeah, yeah, if it's sort of early in a quarter, then you're like, what, what's going on here? It's a bit of a momentum one. But yeah, he's a ripper. So hopefully uh, he can come up for this week. We play Adelaide and their game against the Pies was an interesting one. Real thriller as well uh, for a Saturday afternoon for this game that was a logistical nightmare. But if you ignored all that, it was just a Saturday afternoon classic. Yeah, classic yeah, might be a bit strong. I was just about to pull you up on that <laughs> classic of uh, what was it, sixteenth versus fifteenth? Yeah, oh, yeah, might have gone uh, a little, a little strong on that one. A bit of an, uh, another arm wrestle this one. Yeah, look, the Pies jumped out and did what everyone's been asking them to do and start attacking and trying to kick goals because that's how you win games of football. And they kicked five straight, started slowing down. Adelaide got back in the game. Um, a rare. A rare, extremely poor day in front of goal for Tex Walker with 2-6 versus young Billy Elliott down the other end who's kicked six, six straight. Gee, that's, that's, that's an injection of, of a hell of a lot of things. Where's he been? I know he's been hurt, but he's I've missed him sorely and you wouldn't have thought he, he, he should be a complimentary player to a forward line, not the whole thing. Yeah, and no, he sort of speaks to where Collingwood's at with that forward line. Um you know, he's the only multiple goal kicker for the Pies 
on the day. But uh, look, I thought Adelaide were going to overrun them after the quick start, and just they never did. Oh, did they get their noses in front? Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, third, third quarter, quarter, late in the third, late in the game, and late in the game. Yeah, but Collingwood were just up for the fight, and geez, it was good to see. Rory Laird has some of the most. Um, what's the opposite of impactful? Impactless forty <laughs> possession games you'll ever see. Like accumulator is the nice way to say that, but uh, yeah, he he does. He, he's a, Tom Tom Mitchelling it. Yeah, well, forty <laughs> touches, but twenty five handballs. So how many of them are one, two, three, four? Like three possessions in a little chain. Um, they carry on a bit. He, he look, he does a lot of nice things, but not. He's not elite at that level. I'll tell you who is elite from the Crows and having a great year. Paul Seedsman. Oh, absolutely. He's talked about enough over here, but he kicked two. Beautiful, beautiful long kick of the football. 27 touches. Um, he was one of the shining lights of the Crows. Look, uh, I've got to say, I've got a front row seat having uh, picked him up free off the waiver wire after about four rounds uh, in my super coach, and he it continues to just have great games. He is in great touch. Yep. Yep, uh, that's great. Who else have you picked up, Tom? I'm sure <laughs> the viewers are keen to hear about your super coach team. Oh, I have won six in a row, so at this current point, just having a little breather with the buys, but uh, Jack, Jack Crisp goes all right. Um, and he went all right uh, in this game as well. Um, I'll tell you who's a beauty for the Crows and is basically a walk-up re- uh, replacement for Tex. Big uh, Riley Thilthorpe with the most hard-to-pronounce name in our comp. I know one goal, two and nine doesn't seem that impressive, but for for a youngster, he just has a just a genuine presence about him. And it, the Crows, as they did with, I'm not putting him in the Tony Modra, uh, you know, sort Ooh. of stature, but the Crows, like they have with Tex, that they love a big forward in Adelaide, as I'm sure most teams do. But he is just uh, just showing he, he could take that title. Um, Darcy Fogarty has shown things as well, but he's been a little bit more inconsistent. Uh, Grade-wise for this one, oh, I'm considering a double pass. I mean, maybe... Well, I've got to fail the Crows. Yeah, I was going to Losing say... Losing at home. You don't lose at home. But particularly... Not, many, not many games for them to win this year, and that was one of them, and they did not do it. So, sorry, Crows fans. It's a fail. That's it. The Pies go two and zip in dirty Pies games, if you want to use that. If they get pillared as being dirty out of towners, the Pies will win. There's a betting tip. Yeah, I'll go pass and fail as well. Did you see the vision of the bloke in the crowd who the ball came in front of him and he stuck his hands up away? Like, oh, no, I'm not touching it. That, that was a laughable comment. Yeah, that I yeah. followed the minister and, uh, oh, no, can't touch this one, can't touch this one. Uh, now... The f- Saturday night, Tom. Dreamtime, not at the G, but at the O. Optus Stadium. Geez, the fans came for this. And I'll tell you what was great to see. There were 55 large in there. And they seemed to actually be barracking for the teams, even though you probably wouldn't have thought there was a majority either way. They were really passionate about their football. Yeah, they love uh, the footy over there. You, It might have been you, but I, I've got... Uh... Word of mouth coming out of WA is there are a lot of people that sort of sick of the W, you know, sick of the Perth uh, teams, the Frio, the West Coast going to games. It was actually refreshing just to go to a game that didn't have either of those sides in it. And they relished it and they got around the concept and they, 
I mean, the, the, the Indigenous history over in Perth and, and some of the players they've had, and, and particularly in the Waffle as well, and being able to even just have the long walk and get the crowd that they did, they really, really embraced the whole part of the game as well, and not just the on-field. So it's a full... It's a HD for Perth and the WA footy public uh, to give a, a just a tangent grade there. But, um, yeah, it, it was great seeing seeing this game uh, it, on that neutral venue. And, yeah, just trying to work out, even in those early stages, sort of who the crowd was favouring. Um, I did, I, I guess, Bombers by, by a touch. But it was, it was pretty neutral. Yeah, I think they ended up siding Bombers' way, but I think it's a little bit of the league being a little sick of uh, of Richmond and their whining ways, to put it nicely. Uh, overall, it was a it was a ripping contest. Um, Richmond jumped out a little hot. Um, like I said earlier, a couple of goals from the very contentious in my mind free kicks. But if you've sp- spoken to any Essendon fans, that's just the the way the cookie crumbles these days, so everyone's against them. Um, Do you have uh, any concerns? So you sort of mentioned it just quietly as a little backhander earlier, but they did get done by 39 in this game. So to collapse so hard in that last part of the last quarter, I mean, what are we talking? Seven goals in 13 minutes. So it's basically a goal every two minutes. That is a revolving door. Does that concern you for the Bombers in this one, that they just basically gave up without a yelp at the death? Or spent no. all their carrots. How do you view view that that portion in particular? Yeah, I, look, it's disappointing, and it'd be disappointing as a fan to to do. Uh, they'd lost, I think, ten or eleven dream times in a row, or maybe not dream times, but the last ten or eleven against Richmond. And so this was the time I tipped them because I reckon they were in better form than Richmond. Uh, and I was again hit the front in the last quarter. I was feeling very vindicated at that point, but. Uh, Richmond are front runners, and when they get things on their terms, they know how to pile it on. Probably the more concerning thing was if you've got Ben Rutten up there in the box, who was known for his defence, and that's one thing he preached when he was, was taking over. Um, you've got to be able to stop the bleeding. Even if you're not good enough to win, it shouldn't be 39 points. It should be 19 mid-20s maybe if they get a run on. But uh, look, there'd be some concern, but overall... There's plenty more positives to take out of that than just look at the last 20 minutes of the game. Nah, well, well said. Um, I mean, Dan Rioli was a sub who's come on and kicked the goal. Now, if there's not a bigger front runner in the comp, I'll <laughs> eat my hat. Yeah, look, there's a few in that uh, Richmond forward line and a few that might have snuck over to other clubs. Grade-wise, uh, look, I'm with you. I was bullish on the on the Dons too. Got swept up in that win against the Eagles, um, which, yeah, obviously any win in Perth's great for a Vic side, great for a young side. Um, just quickly, just before I get to my grade, Darcy Parrish with 44. That's an Essendon disposals record, so well done to him. And Nick Cox finally got his nomination for the Rising Star, so there's a couple of ones. Uh, but yeah, What's that- he doing in the ruck, Nick Cox? Is that really a good idea to put this twig into the... I could get his 200 centimetres, but... No, I wouldn't, gee, be, wouldn't be doing it I'd, for a few years yet, if at all. I'd be running straight through him if I was um, the other ruckman. I'd just... I'm not going to worry about that. I don't care if I give away a free kick. I'm just going to get him. Yeah, I think but, he's lucky Big Nank uh, was injured because he's known to get his ooh, knees yeah. and elbows everywhere. So <laughs> I think he might have dodged one there. Um, 
I think uh, maybe old Chol, he's uh, more your athlete type, so he probably got away with one there. He was awesome, by the way, Chol. He, he uh, was everywhere in that first quarter. Um, Grade-wise, just a straighten up a dash, uh, pass for Richmond, and look, I considered sending them to the coordinator, given the... Uh, oh, that's harsh. Considered it, but uh, just straightened up. Look, it's a fail. They, yeah, it, it's not... I, my harsh hat on if I was to go there. I'm not. Uh, pass for the t- uh, Tigers. Fail for the Dons. You know, they had expectations coming in. Let us down. Played some good footy, but yeah, didn't get the job done uh, and lost by about 40. So yeah, fail for them. Yeah, right. That's that's harsh. I'm going double pass. Uh, I, just, I just thought the Dons were really good and Richmond just ran over the top in the last few minutes and just piled them on. Uh, but... Yeah, I. I mean, I'm look, you fail mine seem harsh. harsh. I'm generally pretty harsh on the bombers, and I think if you look at it, I tipped them, but I was going on a hunch, which has let me down the last month. <laughs> uh, they they lost to the reigning premiers three and four years. We're in front of the last quarter. I reckon they did all right, Tom. Yeah, no, agree, disagree. I'm thinking, yeah, no, they're now two games out of the eight instead of being in there. So there's a missed opportunity for an up-and-coming group. Um, Carlton and West Coast Sunday game at the SCG. Um, Just, look, I, I, I... Came prepared for uh, for this Carlton one, so I'll just I'll just whip uh, these numbers out for you, Seb. So, 28, 26, 25, 22, 22, 21, 18, and 16. They're the Blues' losses by total this year. They're basically on repeat. They're showing flashes that they're in a game. They're always basically in a game. They're not they're within touching distance. They might be like a couple more goals from making it a real thriller, but otherwise they're just basically look ultra competitive without getting the job done and look maybe we'll save for the uh the rapid fire but you know now there's reviews going on johnny barker's left it's it's not the season you were thinking for the blues i know i wasn't either i had them in my eight so i'll cop that one but uh this was just another one to add to the uh the carlton file they they're carbon copying each week of the previous week not learning anything or developing in any way it seems at this point yeah, the, the, that those uh, lost totals, that's good when you're in your first or second year of rebuilding, showing you're doing things, not able to win games. What they have four years... Malthouse started a rebuild. They had four years under Bolton, and now we're two years under Teague. It's time to start winning games, Carlton. Uh, they played... Like, they played a waffle team. That, that was <laughs> more or less the West Coast Reserves. Um, and they... Like, never really looked comfortable, never looked like winning. Um, poor Sam Walsh. I'd be getting out of there if I were him. I wouldn't want to be sitting there for another five or six years. He will demand a pretty price if he ever leaves. Look, to give them one, I mean, it didn't help with Big Harry, the Coleman medal leader, going out very, very early. And Tom DeConing showed a bit. But it just, I mean, you know, Matt he's he, he played well. But you don't want him being your target. They, they just, yeah, just... I like that cohesion and that ability to just go, nah, we're not copping it this week. This is a team that is ready for the kill. You know, West Coast away, and it doesn't matter anywhere that's east of their home ground is, is a game up for grabs. So, and, you know, they hadn't won at the SCG, I think it was, since 99, the Eagles. So, um, yeah, just disappointing for the Blues. Uh, they, uh, where do they get it from, the, the that ability to 
make these three to four goal losses into wins? It's that's the question. Well, they better start winning some. Teague's on his way out if they don't. There, that that review that's going to come down on Teague. Um, and I think Johnny Barker leaving is a sign of things to come. Yeah, he's uh, a scapegoat of sorts, really. I, I mean, he, he's a well well travelled, well journeyed uh, senior coach. Yeah, well, he was. And he, he coached was interim them. Coach. He was interim coach when Malthouse stepped down. Yep. And you know, I re- I actually remember this Tom because he was seven bucks, and I had ten or twenty on him to be the coach, and he got down to the final two. And he came into two bucks. I was oh, you ripper. And he didn't get the job, so I didn't get the money. But <laughs> I've never forgotten that. Um, <laughs> Couldn't cash out. But he was... So he was not given the job then, but kept on as an assistant. And now they're blaming the club for not changing the assistants over. And he's copying the flack. And it's like, you wouldn't let me be senior coach. Now it's my fault that we're not winning. I'm out. And he resigned. And they said, oh, well, after the bye, don't come back. You know, we won't keep you on for... for no real reason. So, uh, look, I think we've spoken far too long on Carlton. Like, yeah, for, to be that's honest, I, I considered passing them because that's what I expected from Carlton. No, that, come that, out, that's where I'm right at. And lose, but I couldn't pass them when they're playing a, v, a glorified waffle side. So, it's a fail. I'm not going to send them to coordinator because that's what we expect from Carlton. Like, a few more of them and, and Teague's off and you're going to get a whole new coaching group. Uh, so fail there. West Coast can have a pass for winning, but um, yeah, Channel 7 will be wanting some more fiery games on, on Sunday after, afternoons. <laughs> Don't know if they're starting that this week. Uh, yeah, Carlton, I'm actually going to pass because like those uh, numbers show, they, they, they've just done what they've done all year. Um, just going to go easy on them just because we belted them there so they can have a pass. Eagles, yeah, glorified waffle side. Win win over there. Uh, oh, look, I want to give them a distinction. It feels wrong. It feels high. Pass for me. Uh, back on to the other side uh, of the country for the final game of the week. Uh, Frio versus the Western Bulldogs. How did you see this one? Uh, Frio made a good account of themselves. I reckon... Uh... <laughs> You don't want to go too no. hard on no, no. Too, you don't want to go too hard on on your boys there. Oh, well, it's only ten points, eight points at three quarter time against the team that's sitting second and no, no, ran out yeah, of steam. I, yeah, like, fair. It was again. The, they keep playing these games in this Sunday time slot. It's a bit of a nothing game. Uh, look, the Bont was outstanding, and he is just he's just about the number one player in the comp. He between him and Petrarca for me the way they're going at the moment. Um, just sublime. Th- does everything. Probably wishes he didn't sign a contract a few weeks ago. Could probably command a little bit more right now. The yeah, bond, that's probably fair. They're rolling the dogs. Uh, look, if they get everything on their terms, they're going to win and win relatively comfortably. Um, Frio, look, I'm going to ask you about them in our rapid fire, but couldn't get the win. They're going to sit outside the eight in those slots. If there were wild cards, it'd be great. They'd be playing for something, but you wouldn't think they... If if there was a wild card, you wouldn't think they beat seven or eight in a, in a playoff, as good as it would be to see a derby put into a wild card round. Oh, geez, Imagine a, a, a derby and the uh, Essendon-Richmond. That, that's a hell of a wild card re- weekend. Um, yeah, look, as we spoke about uh, a couple of weeks ago, might have even been last week, 
Jack uh, Jacko McRae, 35. He just keeps on doing it. He is Mr. Consistent. Love his work. You've liked the work of Luke Ryan. He had 23 kicks out of his 25 Ds. That is a footballer you want to go and watch. Um, loving the form of Darcy Tucker. He was a Saints fan growing up, and I thought we might pinch him in the draft. He settled into Frio nicely. He had a, a quality game. Look, it, it's sort of your, your classic... Uh, yeah top two team playing a, a bottom 10 team in that they kind of tolerated them for a bit, kicked away when they needed to and, and, and got the point. So look, as, as we said, the dogs keep winning. They're getting the job done. They're good players are playing well and you can't uh, do much more than that. So I think it's double pass for this one. Yeah, I think I, I agree with the double pass, Tom. Gee, I've been very placid this weekend. One distinction, the rest are pass or fails. Yeah, just just keeping it. Just the the cold winter is just fro- frozen your marks up a bit. But uh, that that's that's the way it goes. Oh, look, I, I was pretty similar. Only the HD for the Ds. But look, we want your feedback on these, as we always say. So get onto our uh, social media channels, Twelve Rows Back. Give us your thoughts. We love your thoughts on the grade. Get get the comments up on the uh, Instagram post of that, and just uh, we want to hear what you think. So. Uh, give us that one. Yeah, we want you to grade our grades. Like, we really, really do. I love the feedback, Tom, especially when the Bombers fans or the Saints fans get stuck into me. Correct. And, I and live for that. And I probably go harder on the back of it. So, yeah, please we, keep it coming. We like I it out there it. on the channels, though, don't we? We uh, Don't don't worry yeah. about a private message or any of that. Just just put it out there and yeah, uh, we'll, put it out we'll look after socials. it. I haven't forgotten... When I had no idea because I had the Saints out of the eight. Well, who's got no idea now? Uh, now, <laughs> I want to hit you up with... We did get a message, Tom, from a very loyal fan. I don't know if he was the D's fan in Brooklyn in the full kit or not, but um, he's asked, is our man Shema? So, yeah, it's a little mailbag, a yeah. little sneaky little mailbag. Yeah, I'm, I'm changing it up. Good. Flip it on you. Different <laughs> different order. Uh I appreciate that because there are low crowds, they're grouped on one side of the ground, if only for staff and resourcing reasons, which I'm pretty sure is correct given COVID. Why is it typically the opposite side to where their broadcast camera is, thereby on the broadcast it looks like there are no crowds? Surely it's not that hard to put them on the other side of the ground. Am I missing something? It's not a bad point, and Friday night's your case an example. So Giant Stadium it looked absolutely stark with no one in the, in the seats until yeah you saw the other side of the ground and the joint was absolutely rocking. Only half of the uh, ground filled up. So not not really sure how to answer that one. It, it is a, a bizarre thing because as as we've spoken about, the game is swayed by that almighty dollar and you you would think that full stands make a better looking product on tv i mean no one wants empty stands at the best of times but you'd think the broadcasters would want fans and fan noise to be part of the experience for the viewer at home so i'm shocked by that i mean the only logical thing i could think is that it legit would be everyone at the game on one side so everything you need's there it might leave a network bare if there's only cameras on one side and nothing else so if something goes wrong there's no one there to really do anything so look that that's probably the thinnest bow i can draw on that one it it doesn't actually make sense to me why they don't have um why they don't think of that more um i think of it as well you know when you've got fans packed up in the top tiers just get them down low so those bottom levels look for it's it's always been like that and this is just an extreme version with everyone on one side 
Um, what, what did you think of it? Yeah, no, that's a fair point you make. Like pre-COVID, your general general admission and and uh, just club members with no seat often end up in the top stands, and all the reserve seats are in the bottom, and sometimes those bays are empty, and that's pre-COVID. So uh, I suspect it is purely resourcing and and having certain sections open. I don't know Giant Stadium well enough, having never been, and look, it probably. Probably never will. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw that one out there, uh, unless I'm travelling mid-season and, and there's a game there. Oh, it could be uh, a, a Ruse Giants prelim in a in a few. Well, maybe in a few decades, but it, it could happen one day. They're not going to play that at Giant Stadium, are they? Yeah, maybe. Because they play the Dogs there in that prelim. No, they did. That was a Giant Stadium oh, okay, in 2016. Then maybe I would, I would. I would travel for a final. That's one thing I'm dying to do. If North can play an interstate final again. Last time I did it, we lost by 70, 80 points. Uh, but I, I think it was all resourcing and, yeah, without being too familiar with the ground, I don't know how it's sort of lined up. Um, but, look, I find both of those Sydney grounds harder to watch on TV anyway with the camera angles. And oh, I agree with you there. Saturday afternoon, Saint, that Saints-Swans uh, game was a shocker. I, I don't know if it's yeah the, the camera work. I, they seem to just lose track of the ball a lot and the shadowing on the ground didn't make for a, a great uh, all-round experience. Yeah, well, I reckon now as well, the cameramen are not AFL cameramen. They're just, we work in Sydney cameramen who probably follow rugby league and don't know how the ball zips around as much. So. Well, I fully... Oh, that's probably a fair point because there were a number of uh, smothers. We had our uh, frontal pressure up the Saints and they just lost track of it. And I'm like, can we can we just, just get... Uh, uh, there's a, a mailbag fan out there that sent a few uh, old broadsword. This is uh, his thing. I'm with him. It's uh, it's shocking when they lose track of the ball. Um, you know, potting the cameraman's a bit of, bit of the cheap seats. But yeah, it, it, it's noticeable to the more than casual fan. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, look, there's nothing wrong with putting the camera in. We're here. Everyone's a target. We don't discriminate here. We'll take aim at everyone. Uh, but it, look, to answer your question, Shem, we don't know. Uh, we're not experts. We are just fans like you. But it, I bet you if Channel 7 had their way, the crowd would be in camera shot and it's just a stadium thing and they've got no control over it. But... Uh, it does leave a little bit to be desired, but look, the D's seem to be performing well. No crowd at the Bulldogs D's game, and they fired themselves up for that. No visible crowd to us, and they've f- fired themselves up and had another big win. So, uh, uh, well done to the D's. That's how yeah. I'll finish that one, Tom. Uh, uh, I'm sure he appreciates that. Uh, or Ben Brown, 50. Uh, we're into the rapid fire, uh, or Shem as we call him. Uh, I've got one for you off the top here. To go back on Dreamtime, should it be a rotating fixture, uh, this game, the Essendon-Richmond Dreamtime game, should it be a rotating fixture, as in a new venue each year, the States, whoever they are, Northern Territory, South Australia, you know, Queensland, WA, they can campaign for it and it's not at the G every single year. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, this is a great question, Tom. I actually had Dreamtime at the O listed first on my list. So oh, there you go. Great minds. <laughs> uh, I think I think Essendon and Richmond can play it wherever the hell they want, as in they were the clubs that coined it and built it. So um, I'm not for taking marquee games away from the clubs and they will play it at the MCG for 
maximum revenue and fair enough. I think they should be moving games like the grand final that no club owns and putting that over there or coining a different version of Dreamtime. Why can't why can't why couldn't you have that game over here played at seven ten or whatever time it is on the Saturday night and then have a a West Coast a Sydney game that starts seven ten local time in Perth, which should be ten ten over there, and just do a whole big celebration. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it it showed that there is the appetite for it, and and this this can take off. So I I'd be in favour of something like that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I don't. I don't think clubs should have to take their marquee games on the road because all of a sudden we've worked out, oh, it's great to play these big games on the road. People will turn up. I've been saying this for a little while, Tom. We need to send bigger games interstate and the best way to do it is actually move the grand final because it should be neutral. It should just be picked. It shouldn't be uh, set in stone at the MCG. But... Uh, yeah, that, the that, other side of that coin is probably some of these interstate teams need to build up some marquee stuff as well. Like Brisbane and Gold Coast can't seem to get their rivalry built up. So I don't know, Brisbane seemed to have a big one with Richmond. Maybe they need to do something and try and theme it in with a round somewhere. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting one. Because yeah, that one, I mean, yeah, Brisbane, Richmond... There's so many different elements to a rivalry. I mean, one of them is obviously, yeah, you you've got to have a you know a dislike for your for your opponent. But then the other side of it is, I mean, yeah, it's got to have some sort of competitive nature. You don't want a one-sided contest every time. And I think that's what you've got with the Q Clash. Brisbane have sort of romped it in, and and you know the Sydney v Sydney Battle of the Bridge, shocking name, but uh, that one has had its moments because yeah they've played in a final or you know the upstart Giants got the Swans a couple of times. It, it needs that factor, but I'm all for making uh, interstate or an interstate team being clever enough to go, oh, geez, maybe maybe we could swing something out of another interstate team or a Victorian team and just taking it on. I, I'd hope the AFL could uh, throw them a bone and help those uh, kind of games get up. I mean, yeah. West Coast and Sydney should do it. Like on they the should. Of their grand finals, do some sort of we're going to celebrate those two teams and... And we want to open every year. We want to play each other on the Friday night. And they should petition. You know, do West Coast like Adelaide that. is another one that they could get going. I mean, yeah. two two big footy states. It sort of gets back to sort of that state of origin vibe potentially. Yeah, a, a, a cause helps though. So I guess they've got to be creative there and and think up something on that front as well. I think a cause can help. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, dream time or. or public holiday they're the ones that have sort of jumped up so they'll probably have west to get coast creative could build one round the umpires couldn't they like umpire appreciation round west coast could get involved they seem to get a good run at home <laughs> west coast collingwood no? maybe for that one umpire appreciation <laughs> tongue in cheek uh i want to hit you with one tom let's make sure it's rapid that yeah it was not rapid <laughs> my fault uh should the saints backflip on their matthew lloyd decision after the weekend's outing and uh, allow him down to the club to help I think it could be a good idea. Uh, yeah, as many have said, you know, if you want as much quality running through your club as you can. He's done it all. Matthew Lloyd on field, premierships, lots of goals, uh, long career. All advice helps. I don't think you can barrel someone in. Obviously, uh, we're talking Max King, and he is a confident, confidant and mentor to him. I don't think you want to shut that down. So, yep, to answer that one, I think... 
we should backtrack on that one and let Lloydie come in and do what he needs to do with Big Maxi. Yeah, no, I agree. I not just Max, Jack, uh, Tim, get the whole crew. Yeah, it could be good. I mean, yeah, look, if, there, if there's a rolling sort of track of people that need help, I mean, Tex kick two six and Aaron Norton kick one five, so. I mean, it has happened a bit at the Saints, but everyone has their yips. But if you can do something like this and fix it, I say take it. So, Lloydo, head on down. Uh, tell them 12 rows back sent you. Um, got one for you, Seb. So, uh, I'm jump. You, I'm assuming you saw the end of the uh, the Bombers v Tigers game. Sorry to go dream time again. Darcy Parrish wins the medal. He stands there for a good 30 seconds looking dumbfounded about what's going on. It looked like he couldn't hear. It looked like he didn't know what was going on. He finally worked out that he'd won the medal for the best on with his record-breaking 44. Uh, and I'll rewind you earlier in the year when uh, I'm pretty sure Christian Petraka got the Anzac Day Eve medal because someone said Christian. I think they meant Salem, uh, but Petraka got the medal. Can we just tell these award winners that they've won just so they know? It, it it shocks me that we do need to build the suspense for these medals for these themed games. Can we not just give someone a little nudge and say, "Be ready for a speech," just to just to slicken the product up a little bit? Well, to tell you, to give you an idea of how much interest I have in these, I always switch off before the medals are announced. <laughs> the Norm Smith's the only one I still sit around and, and wait to hear the the, the name read out. Uh, yeah, we absolutely could. Um, I understand why they like to award the medal and, and recognise it, but funnily enough, that player often won't get the three Brownlow votes when Brownlow night comes along. So they weren't best on the ground in the big award, but they were on the night. Like It's just all meandering to make a bigger spectacle of what it is. So um, you, you would think they just need to have someone... Someone can read it out, but you just have a second person involved to just be able to go, hey, you know, tap so-and-so on the shoulder. It's you. You've won it. Like, you got to go up there. Um, even if it's like the media manager from the club, just, just that- go and tell them, oh, look, you know, Parrish is, you know, he's going to win the medal. Um, as soon as it's announced, can you just grab him and just say, look, pretend you're saying well done, but whisper in his ear. It wouldn't be that hard to do, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, look, I admit that the care factors there. I just felt for uh, Darcy, he just sort of didn't, uh, no fault of his own, just sort of took took a little bit to work out that he'd won the medal. Another one that he's won. I mean, he, the same thing happened on Anzac Day. He got the medal there. I guess it's yeah, hard when you win a medal like that in a game where you'd be pretty bitter about the way your team finished it off. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, you want to go up and get a medal. You don't often well, see the I losing would, side win yeah. that kind of medal. Um, no. At the best of times, so maybe that stunned him. But I'm just seeing it's happened in a few. Di- I mean, there's a blue ribbon medal, and uh, I think uh, Dougal Howard might have won that one when we played the Hawks. Didn't sort of know what was going on. So yeah, little little tap for these medals. Maybe Norm Smith, you keep the suspense. Yeah, yeah, and there are plenty of medals you don't even realise are getting awarded. Um, I know North Melbourne and Collingwood have one, but. Yeah, I think that's some sort of rose medal, that one. And, I mean, the Q Clash has a medal, the Marcus Ashcroft medal. So, look, there's plenty of these. So, it's... I'm saying, clean clean it up, uh, AFL media department. Sort that out. If you're going to have it, if you're going to have it, just make sure you get it 100% right because there's no no room for error here. Uh, Brisbane-Melbourne kicked off the round. There were a lot more free kicks than the rest of the games. Uh, But... 
I counted six in the first two minutes of game time. Is did you like that in, in having so many free kicks early, or was that too many free kicks? And do they need to swallow their whistle and let them play? Yeah, open-ended question that one. Like, how how many free kicks is too many? I mean, six in two minutes was a bit of overkill. I, I think there's a lot of nervous energy and uh, anticipation in. In, at the start of most games, uh, let alone these high-pressure ones. So players are sort of, you know, up and about and, and uh, going at a hammer and tong. But, um, yeah, that that felt like a lot. Uh, anytime there's sort of free kicks and Friday night mentioned, I get a little uh, quiver because it just means what's going to happen for the rest of the round. So, um, yeah, let, let's just... Uh, I mean, what you could say just pay the ones that are there. They probably paid the ones that were there too often. So, I look, like we keep saying... Let's just have every game umpired by the standard we have the granny, which is they really just... It's brilliant in that last Saturday in September. They just let the game go. It's not about those little stupid, little touchy ones. It's just a genuine contest, and the best umpires are umpiring. So, yeah, back to our point earlier. Uh, get full-time umps, and maybe we don't have this issue, I reckon, Seb. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I... For what it's worth, I liked the way they set the tone early because Brisbane were coming out ready to sort of rough them up and they didn't need to go over the top through the rest of the game. And so the number was slightly higher, but it wasn't an excess over the course of the game. It was just early. Uh, and I really, I, I thought it was well done. No, there you go. I, I, I like that from you. Um, I've got one here for you and go quick on this one if you like. But should we consider taking uh, our coaching, the, or the head coach wage out of the soft cap? So I, I'm, I'm expanding out. Obviously, uh, Adelaide copped a 50 grand fine, and that's just shocking that that comes out of the soft cap because it's going to cost someone a job. Don't like seeing that. But if we were to take the coaching uh, fee out of that cap, does that allow more opportunities, particularly in our Titan game? What do you think about removing that? Oh. Uh- I don't think I don't think the soft cap should be a thing. Um, I reckon it was implemented so the AFL didn't have to spend so much money on the Gold Coast and GWS to prop them up. We have a limit to how much we can spend, so we're going to put the cap in. Uh, oh, look, it has certainly helped. I mean, some of these coaches, you know, Dimmer would be on eight hundred. You know, that's a lot of money to come out of the cap, and obviously you're going to have a senior coach. Um, but then wouldn't that? Like Collingwood may be on the lookout for a new coach. They can go give Clarko three million. It's not in the soft cap. Is that fair? Well, if they can swing it, I don't think it's it's too bad. I mean, it it, it, it could be re- having a soft cap, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I guess so. I mean, you you want the best person in that in that seat, the the head coaching seat, and they they probably for the work you hear them do, probably get unders with whatever they're on at the moment. So it's probably one job that could do a little uh, pump up in terms of uh, in terms of funds. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I was sort of putting this one to you more in a way of is there a way to sort of, yeah, help that lower tier uh, of of the cap spend because, yeah, you know, you cop a 50... 50 grand fine that is definitely someone's wage so I mean yeah if why that fine had to go through the soft cap I don't know because it's going to cost someone a job but it wasn't necessarily that person doing anything wrong and what they fined them for was a bad look and also a 
someone having a whinge over in Adelaide and you could pick out a hell of a lot of other fines based on that criteria. So suddenly the soft caps are going down more and more anyway because we're finding teams for something that, yes, had to be addressed, but to take it out of the soft cap was just just madness from the AFL. Like complete utter, we don't know what we're doing, we're going to do this, but that's sort of how they roll week to week, Tom. Uh, you can put your Saints hat on if you want for this question. There are three teams, 10th to 12th, Fremantle, Carton and St Kilda. All would have hoped to play finals, none will. Which team's most likely to play finals next year? Oh, that is a great question. Uh, nah, look, uh, of course I'm going to say the Saints. Um, Frio have claims, though, to push us uh, for that for that spot. Um, just, just loving what they're doing. I think last year they might have actually performed better just given they, you know, sort of straightened up in that back half of the year and they, and they look like they were going to take that next jump. They've sort they have I wouldn't say they've stagnated this year. I just think they've just reach a point with their group and, and it's just about that jump into the top eight. So I, I think it's a it's a learning year for them this year and, and they're going to take plenty out of it and, um, you know, another season and another pre-season before we get to next year for a few of their guns. I mean, I know Monday and Fife aren't getting any younger, but there is a lot of young talent there. So uh, they're, they're a candidate. Um, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see what the Saints do in terms of their approach to you know, the, the recruitment and, and development of their players coming and trade week actually this year as well, whether we, I mean, hit it up for draft picks. That's probably something to look at. I know we've we've barreled in with the mature age recruits. Um, I'm keen for us to invest in the draft. Sounds like we're rebuilding, but get some good quality, uh, you know, under 21s back in the side. I think that's something we could do rejigging. Um, to answer your question... My order would be St Kilda Frio Blues for making the eight next year. That's fair. It's a fair analysis. You definitely have Carlton last. That much I know. Yeah, no, that's Who's fair. Who's coaching him? Depends as well. Uh, you know, the AFL's uh, fixturing. I think this year, you know, we're, we're playing a top six fixture. Uh, who knows, next year we could get a bottom six fixture and and sort of uh, get a couple of those uh, lower teams and... and sort of juice up the win column a little bit. Um, yeah, whether, whether or not as well, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, long into the off-season, but uh, whether or not uh, we were worked out or we're just not performing at our level this year, um, look, I can barely uh, get an underdog tip or, or tip eight winners each week, Seb, so it's dangerous tipping next year, but uh, I still think we can jump up above Freo and get into that top eight. I, I knew you would. I just just wanted to throw it out there because they're three teams that look. If you looked at where they were at the start of the year to now, you'd say, "Yep, bit of a wasted year." Had had the chance to win some of these games, like Freo lost to Carlton. Carlton have lost so many by X number of points, and St Kilda have probably should have beaten Geelong, should have beaten Sydney. There's two top eight sides. Beat West Coast. There's three. But then you went to bed against St Kilda against Essendon. Um, you know, and you've had some, you've been so up and down. So there's, depending on which way you look at it, there's a lot of cause for optimism or negativity, depending on how you see it. You know, are you glass half full or are you a negator? No, it just depends how you yeah, see it. Yeah, no, and, and that's a fair a fair call. Yeah, look, pl- plenty of water to go under that bridge, but I'm, I'm still confident, uh, you know, I was bullish talking about top four sort of lists. Uh, I still think we have a great list that's in, 
pretty good shape compared to others. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of talent under uh, 25. So uh, there's, there's still plenty to work with. I wouldn't quite uh, throw throw everything out this year. Obviously, it's a bit of a bit of a lull, but uh, the good clubs bounce back up after that kind of thing. So let's hope we're one of them that can join that that group. Beautiful. Have you got anything else for me? No, I'm, I'm happy to leave uh, the it. rapid this week. But uh, good, right. good line of questioning there. I've got uh, a couple of interesting things for you. Oh, I love Did these. you know uh, the VFL, so you know our second league that also includes New South Wales and Queensland, <laughs> yep. um, still called the VFL. Do you know there were two VFL games played on the weekend between the two Sydney teams and the two Queensland teams? Jeez, that uh, didn't Think receive a whole that. lot of press. It's called VFL, but you had the Southport Sharks, I think, playing Brisbane Lions, and it must have been the Swans and the Giants in the in the in Sydney, because all the Melbourne teams are locked down, so they've played each other. How's that the Victorian Football League, Tom? Riddle me it. I I don't know why they couldn't come up with some sort of Eastern Seaboard Football League or something snappier than that, and just I mean, who's getting offended if? We call it something like that, really. Well, certainly not me. I'd not me either. Hand up. I, um, I'm a big advocate for getting out of the Victorian bubble. And have you, I've got a stat for you. This is right up your alley, Tom. Tennis oh, stat. Oh, well, yeah. Something for the a little listeners. French Open going on at the moment. Rafa and right, Jocker into the quarters. That's right there. In the year 2000, an 18-year-old Federer... And a 25-year-old Medvedev reached the fourth round at Roland Garros. In two, 2021, a 39-year-old Federer and a 25-year-old Medvedev reached the fourth round at Roland Garros. <laughs> he He's been going that long as a new Medvedev, 25 years old. That is, that's a sign. I mean, there's probably a fair few Medvedevs in in Russia, but. Uh, yeah. When when you reach that, it's the Smith, isn't it? But Smith yeah, but in football terms, that's genuinely playing against someone's dad and then playing against their kid. But like that's a kind of, that's generational, uh, tal- you know, span of career there. Fed and he's one of the all-time greats. Fed. So if anyone's breaking those records, uh, um, it, it would be him, him or Rafa. They're the they're the two. My word, I'm going to go out with a trivia question for you, Tom. And I'm just going to list. You've got to guess the team. Try and do it at home, listeners, if you if you feel keen. Uh, I'm just going to list their finishing place over the last twenty years: sixteenth, fifteenth, eleventh, sixteenth, sixteenth, fifteenth, eleventh, seventh, eighth, fifth, tenth, sixth, thirteenth, eighteenth, fourteenth, sixteenth, eighteenth, sixteenth, eleventh, thirteenth. So it's a fair journey with some. Average highs, I would say. I think I know which team this is. Um, yep. You want to hazard a guess? It might be a, a, guess. a team that hasn't ventured to winning in September since probably 2003-ish. Is it the Bombers? No. That's not the Bombers. No, Crosstown. Crosstown, that's Carlton's finishing spot. Ah, there you go. I, I I think I heard the uh, 18th and thought that might have been the uh, the Bombers 2016. Yeah, that's yeah, not not a whole lot of highs in uh, in that mix. No, and that's 20 years since they won their first wooden spoon in 2002. 
No, like it's a good quality way to finish there. Uh, as always, we want your thoughts and we want you to just share this great podcast we're on uh, around the world. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. We are more than happy to answer any questions that come through. More than happy to comment on any review, hear your work, hear your feedback. Uh, we love it all here at 12 Rose Back. Mm-hmm.